Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, there is a lot to get to on Ukraine, Russia, and a lot more. It's not the only story going on. So I've got a lot to get to on my show today as a result. But let's start out just two things I want to get to right in the beginning of the show today. I'm going to get to quickly. There's propaganda everywhere, and there's a lot of false information getting around. I'm doing my best in conjunction with Joe and Guy, the production staff, to try to avoid it. I want to tell you about that, and I want to tell you, second, what's not propaganda, because it's propaganda sometimes telling you what's propaganda. A lot to get to. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on a loaded Monday. I've got that. Some controversy about a guest I had on my show. It was intended to be controversial. Um also, the nomination of a new Supreme Court justice uh, and the possible, possibly the dumbest thing we've seen on the Internet all week. And a uh, congratulations for that. Uh, <laughs> hold on on that one. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, let's go. Let it roll, Dano. Let it roll, baby. We do. We got a lot to get to. See so first, from the beginning, as I said, two things. Folks, we've even gotten sucked into it a bit, and it's hard. We've done our best. We've avoided a lot of what we perceive to be fake stories from the beginning. Um, I, I get it. Even if your motives are noble, I'm, I'm obviously on the side of, of sovereign countries defending themselves and uh, against the, the terrorists in Russia right now. Um, and I'm going to stick to that uh, because I believe it's the moral, morally correct thing to do. Again, it doesn't mean uh, we should necessarily put our troops and boots on the ground there, but there are things we can do to assist in that effort. But there's a lot of propaganda everywhere and trying to avoid it is tough. I want to get to that. And uh, again, I want to explain to you how questions about Vladimir Putin's sanity are fair questions. There are people saying it's propaganda to fall into propaganda about Vladimir Putin's sanity and reasonableness. No, it's not. I'm just basing that on what the man's done that appear to be detached from reality, reason, uh, and rationality. So on the on that second front, is Vladimir Putin predictable anymore? And is he acting rationally? Um, this is a fair question. I can't emphasize to you enough. Don't fall prey to any simplistic narratives like, well, you know, maybe just it's just the CIA suggesting that they want you to believe Vladimir Putin's nuts to get us into a nuclear war. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. The point I'm trying to make, and I hope this makes sense, Joe, is that that's a fair question. You have a major world leader that has thousands of nuclear warheads that could cause global annihilation at any moment who just decided somehow, despite the, the, the devastating effects on his economy, despite a pretty, pretty strong pushback from the Ukrainians, to invade a sovereign country to his west, knowing it's going to decimate his domestic economy, his people at home, and potentially his leadership. Um, it's a fair question to ask, is this guy any longer the same person we thought we were dealing with five years ago? All right. It's not propaganda, whether the CIA wants you to believe it or whatever's going around. Or I mean, gosh, folks, let's be candid. Um, very few people trust intelligence communities around the world at this point, less than me after my experience in the last four years dealing with what I've dealt with, with the whole Spygate thing. But it's, it's not ridiculous to ask that question. And don't be dissuaded from asking it because our very existence could be contingent on rational world leaders. Again, it reminds me of kind of the, the black swan problem, right? You know, when you have a, a circumstance where failing to appropriately adjust for the risk, right, 
failing adjusting global annihilation that's something you should take seriously even if the idea of glo- of global thermonuclear war is granted an extremely low probability black swan event it's the equivalent of saying hey there's a one in a thousand chance if you light that cigarette red up it's going to explode in the face and destroy your entire front a face and kill you are you going to light that cigarette up no why not i want the cigarette it's only a one in a thousand chance yeah the black swan event of it exploding because it has C4 in it or whatever, some explosive, is enough to dissuade you from smoking the cigarette. Here's what I mean. CBS News. Well, Vladimir Putin puts Ru- Russian nuclear forces on alert as fighting in Ukraine continues. Uh, again, is he at his highest nuclear level? No. Is he directly threatening to attack people with nuclear weapons? Not directly. But ladies and gentlemen, he's doing a little not so cute by half wink and nods addressed it on my show this weekend. Look at the translation of Vladimir Putin's speech from last week. He is very clear. He says, listen, if you intervene, you will experience consequences like you've never seen before. Well, what have you never seen before? You, meaning us. We've dropped nuclear weapons. We haven't seen them before. Does he mean that? I don't know. But I can tell you later on in the same speech, he makes sure to emphasize that Russia is one of the world's strongest nuclear powers. Folks, again, do you think that's an accident? I I hope it is. I hope it is a bluff. But, you know, we were told by some very smart people that, you know, him invading Ukraine was a bluff, too. I don't know about you, but I'm not just willingly going to disregard things because people on either side are telling me this is propaganda or that's propaganda. I'm going to use the facts to formulate my own decision on that. Now, having said that, some information that got out there on both sides of this has clearly been propaganda. And I have to tell you, folks, I don't like you, I would I would bet. I don't like being lied to. I know what happened. I know the facts on the ground. There's no doubt he invaded Ukraine. There's no doubt that innocents have been killed and will continue to be killed. There's no doubt Ukraine wasn't threatening Russia. Russia was threatening Ukraine. There's no doubt, regardless of the problems and the corruption in Ukraine, that it is a sovereign country. And Russia is creating geopolitical instability by invading a sovereign country. Those are just facts. But I don't like being lied to. And it appears a lot of the stories coming out of Ukraine may, in fact, be propaganda. The uh, ghost of Kiev story about the uh, ghost fighter pilot, it appears that the story is not entirely accurate. Um, Some of the photos of Zelensky are are taken from photos that were taken like a year ago or so, Um, which is, folks, again, that doesn't. I'm just here for the truth, okay? And I'm not going to lie to you. If that, if it bothers you, and I, I saw so this is how the this is how crazy this argument's got. I've been oh the whole weekend. I'm, you know, this isn't a boohoo moment. I'm proud to do it, but the whole weekend I've been working. I've been going through social media. I mean, I'm trying to parse through and trusted actors what's real and what isn't. There are people upset about everything on both sides. There are people upset that people like me and others are saying, "Hey, that's not that picture's not from there." Because they think, well, the cause is noble nonetheless, and we should just forget it and pretend the ghost of Kiev is real. The cause, I believe, at this point for Ukrainians is noble. It's their country. They should fight for it. But I just don't like being lied to, and you shouldn't either. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's not, you know, falling into Putin's lap. Putin's lying to everyone. Putin's out on national television, uh, on, on his TV station, you know, telling people what a success this thing has been early on. Has it been? Uh, I'm not sure. It's what he, ta- what's he what, uh, it's the success he wants his people to believe. I bring it up because the Snake Island story, which we brought up last week, and we waited. We waited. And Guy's like, uh, Guy's, Guy's for, who's very, uh, can be very critical sometimes. Guy's like, listen, which is good. Guy's like, hey, listen, you waited. You waited. We did. We applied the Bongino rule. If you notice, when we discussed the Snake Island story, it wasn't right away. A lot of folks jumped right in. And it turns out that Snake Island, it appears right now, the Ukrainian border guards on Snake Island were taken prisoner. Now, again, even that, they weren't killed, in other words. They, now, the video, from what we know of them telling the Russians to go to hell or to go F themselves, uh, appears to be authentic. Yeah. But 
the reporting a couple days later, which, which again, we waited, we waited for trusted people to come out with it, was that, yes, they were killed. It appears now they may not have been killed. They may have been taken as POW. Now there's people upset again. Why are you even saying that? Let people believe in heroes. It doesn't make them not heroic for telling them to go F themselves. I'm glad they're still, I'm not supposed to be glad they're still alive. But we had even reported that they were killed too. And again, I'm, I'm here for the truth. And when we get something wrong, there's no excuses, okay? Excuses are just that, excuses. We, but we waited as long as we could. And after a couple people we trusted reported the story, we felt it's authentic. I tell you this, you know, one, because you're here for the truth. The truth matters to me. And we're always going to correct it and make sure you understand the full record. But second, as a warning to you, not to fall for propaganda online. You can still believe in their cause. Of course, you can believe in whatever you want. You're a free citizen here. You cannot believe in their cause. But we should be, there should be trusted media sources giving us a bevy of facts so we can formulate our own opinion. That's what I tried to do on my Fox show on Saturday night. I've got two cuts for you. Man, did this cut elicit a response like, candidly, I have not seen before on my Fox show. I got probably close to a thousand messages, direct messages, emails about the appearance of uh, Colonel Doug McGregor on my show. Colonel McGregor has a different viewpoint on the Ukraine-Russia war going on right now. It's not necessarily a popular viewpoint amongst what we would consider the neoconservative establishment here in the United States. But as I said in the beginning of this cut, I'll break it up into two cuts here. It's about three minutes long. As I said at the beginning of my Fox show, and you'll hear me say again, it is critical and important right now that we not fall into tunnel vision, horse blinker traps here, and that we get a variety of opinions, even if we don't agree. The feedback was all over the place. Thanks for having Doug McGregor on. This is the worst guest you've ever had. This person's crazy. He should show some respect to Ukrainians. The emails, one, one okay, here, and another one I just want to address before we get to it. I'm sorry. You know, Dan, why did you cut him off at the end? Did Fox tell you to cut him off? No, folks, they didn't. They told me to cut him off. Why would he appear the next night on Fox? Nobody tells me to cut The reason we had to cut him off, we had a break. You have to go to a break. I, I can't emphasize that enough. There's all these like conspiracy theories. He cut him off because he didn't like what he was going to say. He's the one of the only guests on the show that got two questions instead of one. Come on, man. You got to trust me better than that. Like when we, they said we cut off the judge, Judge Joe Brown. We got to go to a break eventually. I'm really sorry. It's not. Gosh, let me just play it because if he, I want you to hear it. Here's Lieutenant uh, retired Colonel Doug McGregor. He's not so fond of the Ukrainian response. Check this out. I know you have a bit of a different perspective. I'm trying to get a wide diversity of opinions in here. I believe you, you feel differently. I think you feel this is going to be over rather rather quickly. I, I, I disagree, but I'd, I'd love to hear you make the case. Well, I think uh, you have to understand that uh, President Putin gave very strict orders to the forces going into Ukraine that they were to avoid as much as possible killing civilians, try to persuade Ukrainian forces that they faced to surrender. Then they, the ones that did, they essentially said, put down your arms, you can go home. And he doesn't want to damage much of the infrastructure because he doesn't want to have to rebuild everything. So I think he has a different purpose in mind. He's been very, very slow to move on Kiev for two reasons. First of all, it's the cradle of Russian Orthodox Christianity and civilization. He doesn't want to damage the city. Secondly, he has tried to induce Zelensky to consider capitulation, arguing that if he keeps this up and continues to persuade more people to go out and fight, or tries to, that he'll have a bloodbath on his hands. And so for 24 hours in Kiev, he stopped. Remember, they reached the outskirts of Kiev in seven hours and then sat. So I think what's going to happen now is that these concentrations near Kharkiv and some of the other smaller cities down near Odessa, as well as uh, Kiev, are going to be encircled. They're going to be cut off, and they're going to bring up heavy weapons like the rocket artillery that fires thermobaric warheads. One platoon can destroy 
in one salvo an area the size of uh, Central Park in New York. And they will use those. And there will not be much left. And they will be annihilated. Uh, hopefully, someone will step forward and uh, agree to some sort of terms. But right now, if that's not the case, these people will be annihilated. I mean, a harsh viewpoint. But folks, a viewpoint that needs to be heard. I, you know, that bothered a lot of people. By the way, Guy thinks I'm over litigating this. I disagree. I get this so much on my show when I try to present opposing viewpoints so you can formulate your own opinions. I disagree. The reason I put him on there is I wanted you to hear a pessimistic approach to this too. Candidly, I wish we would have heard that more during the initial Iraq war. Don't you? About yellow cake and, uh, and weapons of mass destruction. I don't know if Colonel McGregor's right. I mean, he's not a fortune teller either. Maybe he is. But I want to hear both sides. I want to understand the risks. Gosh, if information exchange had only been around during COVID, we'd be in a far different place. Now, he has a very pessimistic view. But his comments about thermobaric bombs are, are, are not inaccurate. They have these percussion bombs that use the atmosphere around it to basically incinerate, you know, anything within a, a specific radius around the bomb, which can be quite large. They're very powerful. You know, yields obviously far shy of nuclear weapons, but they can do an incredible amount of damage in a dense population center. It's not crazy for him to bring that up. Now, the idea that, you know, Ukraine should, or implication, I should say, I don't want to put words in his mouth, should capitulate and discuss the terms of surrender, I, I disagree with. I, I, I don't know. I just disagree. I mean, we were outnumbered in the Revolutionary War, too. Um, I believe the Ukrainians have a right to self-determination. It's their fight. It's their fight. Now, this is part two where I address that with them. And I also address how, you know, taking Ukraine, which uh, Colonel McGregor thinks is, is not going to be difficult for the Russian military if they choose to go all in, which may very well happen. Taking Ukraine and occupying Ukraine are two entirely different things. Two entirely different things. Long-term occupation of a country that doesn't want to be occupied traditionally doesn't work out that well. Someone said to me, oh, really? Like, ask East Germany. I said, that's your success example? The wall's down. Yeah, it took a while. A long time. You can't occupy people long-term in a country that big who don't want to be occupied without taking major losses yourself. So here's part two of the interview. Again, elicited an enormous response, so I think we should see it. Check this out. It's kind of hard to wage a PR campaign for hearts and minds in Ukraine, dropping thermobaric bombs or, you know, you know, percussion bombs that, you know, eviscerate people on uh, on impact. I mean, those two things, it's kind of zero sum there. You can't have one or the other. Well, I think he's already tried one. And if your enemy pulls into an urban area, remember, the Ukrainians have almost no mobility. They have no air defenses, no air support, limited uh, quantities of ammunition. So they're going to pull into some of these urban areas and you have a choice. You can wait, yeah. you can ask them to surrender. And if they don't, you have to annihilate them. And you don't send in your soldiers to go door to door. That's a dumb idea. Yeah. You get lots of people killed that you need for no damn reason. So he's not gonna do that, but he's not gonna cross the river and go west. He would like to contain this in Eastern Ukraine because frankly, most of the people that live there really are Russian. That's what they speak. They were always Russian. They were not part of Ukraine. And I have very serious doubts about the claim about 3 million people doing anything. I think you'll have some thousands, but the majority of people are scared to death. They will get in their cellars. They will wait for this to be over. And when it's over, the Ukrainians will be defeated. I hope that not well, too many of them are not. killed. I would rather uh, Colonel, see that avoided, got, but it looks well, looks as though it can't. Got, Again, we didn't cut him off. There's a commercial, but I can't say that enough. But right. I just disagree with his point there because there's two conflicting premises. I, I'm going to have him on again if I can, by the way. But I disagree with his premise here. His premise here is that Putin is not engaging in all-out war in Kiev because he's trying to somehow win hearts and minds by not destroying the decimating the city with thermobaric bombs yet, but it's still on the table. Yeah, but if it's still on the table and he can't suppress and conquer the population quickly and drops thermobaric bombs, you are certainly not going to win hearts and minds and get a compliant people. That, that's what I didn't get about his point. Maybe we'll have him back or on the radio show and he can explain differently what he means. Do you see my point? You know, he's saying, well, he doesn't want to destroy the city because they want to dominate it and install a puppet government. They don't want a lot of resistance. 
But then on the other hand, he said, well, that's not going really well. So they may have to go new. They may have to go. I shouldn't say that. I mean, nuclear, I didn't mean actual nuclear, but they may have to go, you know, uh, 100% here, thermobaric bombs, destroying and decimating and leveling the city. Okay, well, then you're not going to get a, a semi-peaceful occupation. You, you get what I'm saying? Later on, where people are just going to be compliant. That didn't make sense to me. But it's a conversation we should all have. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So if, the, uh, if McGregor's right and say there is an occupation and the Ukrainians surrender, there are a couple of factors, folks, you have to play into this, considering what a long-term occupation of a country would look like. I'm just asking you at home. We have a large international audience, but most of our audience is here in the United States, obviously. You know, I live in Martin County, Florida. If Soviet, North Korean, or Chinese troops were to occupy Martin County, Florida, right? I know the people down here well. How many could they possibly dedicate to Martin County? One of 60 plus counties in Florida and 50 states in the United States, right? Florida, that is, obviously. How many people could they put here? I mean, we have tens of thousands of residents. I can guarantee you at least 1,000 to 2,000 would be really pissed off and would start taking our F-150s and trucks with the AR-15s and looking to start hunting the bad guys. You think Ukrainians are going to be any different if you drop a thermobaric bomb? So that depends on the Russian domestic response. In other words, how long before Russian troops start coming home in body bags, being killed with guerrilla-style tactics by Ukrainians, how long before the Russian public turns on Putin? He needs this public support to do this. The guy is an autocrat. He's not in charge because of legitimate elections. He's in charge because people are scared. How long are people willing to take what Putin's dishing out? The decimation of their economy, their kids coming home in body bags. How long are you willing to take that before the people revolt and the polls start turning against them? The polls start turning against him. He's got a different war on his hands. This is real. This is where I think, and again, I'm going to have him back on for his take. This is where I think Colonel, the colonel's wrong. Second, troop morale. Again, there's a lot of propaganda about this on both sides. Be very careful with it. But there are some legitimate stories out there that Russian troop morale in certain areas may be struggling because the state of the mission is confusing. They don't know what they're doing yet. Are they opening fire? They're not open fire. Occupying? What happens if they're attacked? It's obviously going to be confusing. Troop morale is going to be important. Are any of these battlefield commanders going to turn on Putin? I don't think so anytime in the near future. But how long before one of them does? Third, he's very pessimistic, the colonel, about the Ukrainian response. Folks, I'm not. People start acting far differently when their kids and their jobs and their livelihoods are wiped out. What have I told you over and over? The most dangerous people in the world, right? The most dangerous people in the world are people that have absolutely nothing left to lose. Don't mistake the soccer mom for being compliant and acquiescent when all of a sudden her kid's arm gets blown off by a bomb. If that were to happen, God forbid, in Kiev, you're making a big mistake. Big mistake. And lastly, the, 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 all this depends, a pessimistic view of Ukraine, and not unrealistic, I didn't say that, but a pessimistic view of Ukraine. It all depends on the Russian ability to finance this. 
Folks, wiping the Russian Central Bank out of the international payment system, like what happened today, is a really big deal. It's not a death stroke. It's not going to annihilate the Russian economy completely. But I want you to keep in mind, the ruble is collapsing. So if you're in Russia right now holding rubles and you're making any kind of international payments, which is a large swath of the Russian economy, think about it. The ruble was wiped out, nearly cut in half, depending on what time you looked at it. So, Joe, I mean, think this through, right? You're paying for products from the United States, inputs into your widget. You're making a widget that has some U.S. parts. Right. You paid $10 for the widget yesterday. You know what you're paying tomorrow? $20. Well, what do you mean, Dan? The widget price didn't change. No, the price of your money changed. Right, right. The U.S. company making widgets doesn't want rubles. So the holder of the ruble has to convert it to U.S. dollars. You're converting it at half the rate today than you were yesterday, meaning you need twice the money. Well, Dan, what if they borrowed in euros or they borrowed in, in U.S. currency and they have a good stock of it? Then they'll be okay. Really? Because a lot of those loans are going to have to be paid back in U.S. dollars and euros. Well, then what happens? You have rubles. You're in Russia. Now the loan that you took out for $1,000 is going to cost you what, Joe? $2,000. Why? The loan went up? No, the loan didn't go anywhere. The cost of your ruble went down. You understand how, again, simplistic views of what's going on right now. Ignore the fact that Russia has to finance this thing. Now, that may not be a short-term issue. He is an autocrat. But let me tell you something. It is most certainly a long-term issue. Ask the Soviet Union. Oh, that's right. You can't ask the Soviet Union because it doesn't exist. Why? Because it was economically bankrupted. And a hard to finance an army occupying, uh, you know, Eastern Europe when you can't even feed your people at home. Finally, on this topic, I want you to be very careful. Again, propaganda. We are doing our best, folks. We are doing our best. I promise you. A lot of the stories we have been very careful and deliberate on, but the mainstream media on the left doesn't care at all about what they obviously, obviously are the enemies of truth. They don't care. They have no allegiance to the truth whatsoever. Here is a commentator, a PhD from what I so she's got to be smarter than the rest of us, of course, on MSNBC. Expect a narrative shift now away from Biden's failures. Biden has been an apocalypse in the White House. His foreign policy has been a total disaster. He has miscalculated in Afghanistan and Russia with China. It has been a disaster. The American public is starting to see this guy for what he is. A, not just a failed president, but a failed human being and a corruptocrat, right? So expect a narrative shift in the coming days. It's obvious. The narrative shift's going to be this. This is Trump's fault. Trump was a Putin stooge. He seeded the ground for the Russian attack. Like he left the ammo buckets out for them on the way in. And therefore, this is all Trump's fault. And Biden is here cleaning up, cleaning up the mess. No way, Dan. No way they'd be that dumb. No, no, they will. Listen to this one. Trump was installed as the president of the United States in order to weaken the alliances that were preventing Putin from achieving his goals. Alliances like NATO, our relationship with our European partners, our relationship with Ukraine. Trump was put in as a bulldozer. And he was also put in, as Malcolm said, as a bulldozer to the Constitution, to our system of checks and balances, to our system of institutional trust, and the unwillingness of people in the United States to confront the brokenness of those institutions, whether through financial corruption in recent years or age old systemic problems yeah. like the endemic racism that holds our country up has contributed to that. And Fox News, in this sense, is just an extension of that uh, long running destructive pattern. Hold on, folks. I'm taking notes for the radio show. It was Fox. What did, it, what did she say? Fox racism, systemic racism and Trump was in story. Right. You hit the three. Those are the three. That's right. See, we think alike. So um, that crazy person on MSNBC says uh, this is Fox's fault for, again, people like me giving you a wide diversity of opinions. I had Colonel McGregor. We had Kellogg. We had General Kellogg on. People had totally different views. I told you I had a different view. I disagreed with the views. But it's Fox, Joe. It's Fox contributing to it. We did it. It's definitely That's us. Right. Fox. Yeah, it's totally Fox's fault. And then uh, that woman on MSNBC 
says, yes, it's definitely racism. Racism has a lot to do with it. Racism. <laughs> and then and then Trump was installed uh, parroting again the collusion hoax. This is the kind of stuff that passes for commentary on MSNBC as they take a shot at Woo. Fox. Daddy. But yeah, you know what? He brings up a good point, Joe. She may be roomies with uh, Frank Fagazi. She's going to say next how <laughs> Trump lowered the flags on 8-8. And it means hail Hitler. Yes. That's next. Yeah, that's next. That'll come next from Fred. Repeating the Frank Fugazi line. I mean, come on, man. This is just ridiculous. All right. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Okay, uh, so Kentanji uh, Jackson was nominated for the Supreme Court by uh, failed President Joe Biden. And I found this cut to be the funniest thing I've heard all week. It is Senator Tricky Dick Durbin, far left radical nut, suggesting, Joe, that yes, now is the time for bipartisanship after they accused Kavanaugh of, um, of boofing. Remember Sheldon Whitehouse yeah. left this nut center boofing? You know, boofing is. Uh, I had to figure this out. Boofing, apparently, uh, expelling gas out of your back end. Yeah, that was an actual conversation. Remember Kavanaugh? Uh, the 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 the, the uh, he raped me. Did all that? Remember all that nonsense? Now they want bipartisanship. Uh, you know what? Hard pass on this. Here, check this out. I want it to be. I've reached out to many Republicans you have not mentioned, uh, asking them to keep an open mind and to meet with her, uh, ask the hard questions, uh, ask for materials. We'll provide them. We're going to go through the regular process here. But it is in the best interest not only of the Supreme Court, but of the United States Senate for this to be bipartisan. Uh, if we can have that kind of support emerge, I think it will be a positive thing for our country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Now they want bipartisanship. Yeah, hard pass on that. Am I going to spend a lot of time on this? Um, the judge is, uh, the, the, the nominee, excuse me, her her, uh, her history, her comments are all fair game. And I demand, and you should demand, and call your senators today, you should demand a vigorous hearing. Now, there's no reason for us to humiliate ourselves on the national stage like Democrats and getting into conversations about boofing and nonsense like that that turned on the Democrats just like it would turn on us. But expecting us to lie back and not criticize the record is just insanity. So we'll keep our eyes on that story, an important one. Folks, the COVID craziness continues. Don't go anywhere. I got... A good amount of time left in the show here. I, I, a really troubling study came out about the Pfizer vaccine, and I am praying, praying that the story is inaccurate. I'll get to that in a second, though, but the COVID hysteria continues. And as the COVID hysteria continues, the public's caught on to it, which is switching the winds of public polling. And you're seeing now even the craziest of Democrats, the Pelosi types, are starting to realize they are on the wrong side of this thing and they are going to get buried in 2022 in this election if they don't come around. Here, story number one. Post-millennial. Congress drops the mask mandate ahead of Biden's State of the Union address. Oh, is it, isn't that convenient? State of the Union address to tomorrow. Joe, really convenient timing. Now, so just to be clear, just a week ago, the Democrats were telling us, you know, we need to imprison people up in Canada and suspend them for engaging in a freedom convoy because they don't want to have a substance injected into their body, which has some very questionable stuff about it right now. But this week, they're like, hey, by the way, um, this uh, State of the Union address is going to be seen by a whole bunch of people. Joe, maybe it's yeah. not a good idea to have a bunch of crazy people sitting there in mass contributing to the hysteria. What is that? Thing? Win the lick the finger. Which way is the wind? Oh, this way. Maybe people aren't like a mask anymore. Everybody, masks no good. You don't need a mask anymore. Which way's the boof? Which, which way'd the boofing go? Yeah. That way. Oh, there we so, are. So here we go. It gets worse. Here is a InvestBrain article. I think it may have been a zero hedge too. FEMA, in case of a nuclear explosion, maintains this is maintain social distancing and wear a mask. 
Oh. Here, this is from the FEMA. Their oh. advice on yeah, oh, I know. Let me just read this to you. FEMA recommends the following steps to prevent significant radiation exposure in the event of nuclear war. Quote, try to maintain a distance of at least six feet between yourself and people who are not part of your household. If possible, wear a mask if you're sheltering with people who are not part, a part of your household. I, I... Now, hat tip Jessica O'Donnell. This is where I found this on social media. This is going to be our first entry into our congratulatory file. Congratulations for posting the single dumbest thing on the internet and elsewhere um, to FEMA for posting a mask social distancing guideline in the event of thermonuclear uh, attack in the United States. So what's this guy's name? So Austin Archer, uh, if you could take it away from here, congratulations to FEMA for posting that. Check this out. Congratulations. That was one of the stupidest things that I've ever seen anybody post on the internet before. Congratulations, the bar is high cause people post lots and lots of stupid things, but your stupid thing was somehow the leader of the pack. I'm sorry, folks. I need to take the temperature down a little bit. It's been a very busy, emotional show. Congratulations, FEMA. That is, the bar is high. <laughs> There's a lots of lots of stupid things. Guy, how many times have we listened to that this weekend? Dozens? I'd argue probably. Guy's being nice. I've probably listened to that 50 to 60 times this weekend alone. We'll be introducing that. We won't overdo it, but I promise you, once or twice a month, We'll be nominating the congratulations. That's the dumbest thing we've seen on the internet. And that by far is it. Hey, listen, on a very serious note, um, I've never spun your wheels on this show. Say we're going to do something. We do it. We stick to it. We get something wrong. We tell you. Folks, there's a study out of this uh, MDPI about the Pfizer vaccine that has caused a big stir this weekend. In the interest of truth, I'm going to try to get you both sides of the argument. But the study, I'm begging you to read it. I mean, if I could get on bended knee right now, I could, but I wouldn't be able to get up. I would. It's in my newsletter today. Bongino.com slash newsletter. You sign up. It's free. There's no penalty for you at all. Just sign up. The study is in there. The headline's a little complicated, but I'll explain to you in, this, uh, in simple terms what it means. Intracellular reverse transcription of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine in vitro in human liver, in human liver cell line. Folks, this study was deeply disturbing. There is a quote from it I want to read, and I'm going to have Dr. Peter McCullough's tweet speak for itself on what this could potentially mean, and then in the interest of, again, putting out information, unlike the big tech a-holes who don't want to do it, I'm going to give you the other side, too. From the study, preclinical studies of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine, they go into what it is, developed by Pfizer and BioNTech, showed reversible hepatic effects in animals that received the injection. Furthermore, a recent study showed that the SARS-CoV-2 RNA can be reverse transcribed and integrated into the genome of human cells. Hmm. So Dr. Peter McCullough, who's been a voice I've trusted, had him on my show. I'm going to have him on the radio show today to discuss this at 1.30 Eastern time. If you'd like to listen, you can listen up on Gino.com or any of your local radio station. McCullough says this in a tweet. Side-by-side important reports, reverse transcription, nuclear DNA code for spike, both significant discoveries. Enormous implications of permanent chromosomal change and long-term constitutive spike synthesis driving the pathogenesis of a whole new genre of chronic diseases. What does he mean? If this study, if, if, if this study means that the mRNA Pfizer vaccine is inducing long-term production of this spike protein, that you could be producing this spike protein in your body for a very long time, which could mean, quote, a whole new genre of chronic diseases as your body continues to pump out spike protein. 
if. Now, I did a lot of homework on this weekend. I'm trying to get you both sides. There are other side, uh, the other side of the argument is people are saying, don't panic yet. That the cells they use, these liver cells, were mutated cells. It's HUH7. Ironically, uh, huh? Huh? HUH7 cells are mutated cells that they used. Second, it's in vitro. Not studied in the body yet. In the lab, basically. Either way, folks, I really genuinely wish we had an open back and forth free speech environment where the a-holes at big tech, the communist socialist tyrants at big tech, emulating the Putin tactics of suppressing information would allow a conversation. So people like Dr. McCullough, if God forbid this is happening and these Pfizer vaccines are going to cause long, if cause long-term side effects through the production of the spike protein for longer than anticipated, then gosh, I'd like to know about it. But of course, we can't have an honest conversation because if you bring this up, the jerkwads at YouTube, which I'm not on anymore, will ban you. Read the study. If you have a friend who's a doctor or your doctor's willing to talk about it, send it to them. Get their opinion. Send me emails if you have some professional analysis of what you think this means. But the idea, ladies and gentlemen, you know I got the Pfizer vaccine. Listen, I'm not going to argue about it anymore. I had cancer early on. I freaked out. And I look back now and wish I would have waited. You want to say, ha-ha, I get that a lot. You know you don't think. No, believe me, I do. You want to make fun of me? It's okay. It's okay. I don't take it personal. I get it. I thought I was going to die, okay? I Really, I'm not kidding. It's not hyperbole. I have this thing in me. I want to know what it's doing. Is this thing pumping out spike proteins when it's not supposed to? I want to know. Anyone who has a professional opinion based in facts who can help me here, please help me. I want to know too. So the Ops Trust story has picked up steam. What is the Ops Trust story? The great Margot Cleveland in conjunction with Internet Sluice, Technofog, Fool Nelson, um, and others out there, I don't mean to leave anybody out, have, they saw last week, we covered it in depth on our show, about how one of the people alleged to be diverting internet data on the Trump team in order to create this internet, this narrative that Trump was using the internet to talk to Alpha Bank, Trump and his team in Russia. It was a massive spying operation. This is just one component of it. There's an allegation out there that the tech executive involved in, in taking this Trump data to the CIA and elsewhere to formulate this fake narrative, that it was part of this group called Ops Trust, which apparently has access to an entire library of information around the world about what websites you're visiting. And I was like, they do? Margot Cleveland was supposed to be on, but breaking news uh, to my Fox show. She'll be on this week, okay, to talk about this, if she can make it, that is. It's picked up steam. Wall Street Journal now is running with the story. Byron Tao. Durham probe reveals government access to unregulated data streams. Folks, here's a simple question about Ops Trust. Can they see what you're doing online? And if they can, who's regulating them? So it says John Durham's been looking at the origins of the FBI probe into Trump's campaign in Russia. Recent court filings in his case against cybersecurity lawyer Michael Sussman, as well as documents obtained by the journal, show how U.S. government entities and private cybersecurity companies are able to monitor the flow of web traffic by tapping into vast quantities of data with little oversight or public awareness. Though such technical data doesn't directly reveal identities or message content, it can be at times reverse-engineered to link online activity back to specific individuals or organizations. Folks, what's the... Uh, so we have Watchmen out there? Okay, well, who's watching the Watchmen? Is this Ops Trust Group? Are they are they looking at other people? If they are, aren't we entitled to know that? Who gave them access to this and, and, and without any type of regulation or oversight at all? Serious questions, no? I'll be watching this Ops Trust story during the week because it has very serious implications for the world going forward and the difference between the public and private self. 
If you no longer have a private self, ladies and gentlemen, it's a hallmark of a totalitarian society, is it not? Doesn't appear like a lot's private anymore. I'll stay on top of this. All right, moving on because I got a lot to get to. Monday's always a loaded show. We had off last Monday, so we're kind of like double stacking today. Here's a Business Insider article, folks, that really has frightened a lot of people. And again, it's Business Insider, so take everything with a grain of salt. But the people they interview were not kidding. We really did hit peak stupid as a headline. Elite investors on Wall Street say privately the market is about to go a cataclysmic shift and many won't survive the washout. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, and the reason I decided to run with this article here. As Business Insider acknowledges here that interest rates are about to go up in an effort to fight dramatic inflation, which is likely going to get worse given that Ukraine has a large uh, large uh, share of the world's wheat supply. And also Ukraine uh, will contribute to this natural gas crisis as well, given that the uh, war with Russia is going on. So there will likely be inflation. In order to combat inflation, the Federal Reserve is going to have to raise interest rates. Well, they note in the world of finance, these hikes are akin to messing with the Earth's gravity. Assets that were once attractive, companies that use cheap capital to grow rapidly without making a profit will be shunned. Some of the investors who ate up these growth stories will go out of business. Listen, again, I'm not here to panic you. I don't do fear porn like the left. We're going to use reason and rational analysis and facts. Folks, here are some hard facts. Interest rates are going to have to go up. An interest rate is the price of money. That's what it is. Interest rates go up when inflation goes up because inflation is more money chasing fewer goods. The way to combat inflation, one, would be to stop printing more money. But if that's already happened, which it has, Making inflation uh, go down is to shrink up the money supply. And the way to do that would to make the, it would be to uh, elevate interest rates. You'd make the price of money higher, right? Joe goes to get a loan at 5%. Okay. Joe goes to get a loan at 15%. The price of that loan is a lot more. Not yeah. hard to understand, correct? Well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is companies use hurdle rates and in investments, right? So if a company's borrowing money at a low interest rate of, say, 3%, that's really low, right? to finance Joe's t-shirt company and Joe sees growth of that t-shirt line growing at 4%, that may in net present value be a positive investment for him. You understand? Ah, the lines, I know we're using simplistic terms, but I want to make it super easy because I don't have a ton of time. If it's growing at 4% and you're borrowing money at 3%, okay, we'll take it. Well, folks, what's the problem when the interest rate goes to 7%? All the money you just invested in the t-shirt equipment isn't making you enough money to pay for your factory anymore to print to uh, print the t-shirts to make money because you're paying more interest on the loans. That's eating up your profits. Your hurdle rates are higher. Your opportunity cost for investing in other investments, investments goes up. Interest rates go up. They are going to make a lot of companies that were profitable in a low interest rate environment immediately unprofitable, meaning what? A lot of people invested in those companies in the stock market and may not survive the quote washout. Again, it's Business Insider, huge grain of salt, anything they write. But the story is not inaccurate. As interest rates go up, we could be looking at a massive stock market correction. I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to prepare you. There's a difference. Diversify your portfolio as soon as you can. All right. Um, we got a couple more so I can get to these. We got time. Just the news article. Be in the newsletter today. Ladies and gentlemen, the convoy in the United States. They were supposed to be guests on my show, too. Uh, there was a lot of breaking news. I'm hoping to have an update for you on that as well. But the convoy, uh, the trucker freedom convoy, is headed to Washington, D.C. I, I, this story, I mean, I get it. I know Justin Trudeau was turned into a dictator, and Canada is now a dictatorship. You know what they did to the freedom convoy? We covered it extensively. Apparently, the Illinois State Police are jumping in the game, threatening legal consequences from the car, uh, car convoy, the truck convoy participants. Get a load of this one, Joe. They're going to make uh, traffic. Now, traffic will be considered a crime. So the uh, Illinois State Police is now criminalizing traffic jams. Now, I'll say, please, to the state police officers, uh, the state troopers in Illinois, please, please do not cooperate with this nonsense. I am begging you. I'm telling you as someone who resigned his job to not be involved in nonsense, I'm begging you to please not comply with this nonsense. Please. Wait, go back to that. I'm going to read that, Lee. uh, uh, Lee. They just call you Lee. He's my cousin. 
She's down here in Florida now, too. Here is the Illinois State Police Division of Patrol Colonel, Margaret McGreal, who should be embarrassed and humiliated. She is saying, in other words, if you back up traffic, traffic or backups are a major contributing cause to traffic crashes, which leads to property damage, personal injury, and even death. A planned event designed to scroll down for me on that. A planned event. Yeah, you got to scroll down. A planned event designed to impede normal traffic flow is dangerous to the innocent monitoring public. Criminalizing traffic now here in the United States. Um, do you think they had a sit down with Justin Trudeau? Maybe a Zoom call? Hey, uh, Justin, we're looking to implement a dictatorship here in Illinois, too. I got an idea. Criminalize traffic patterns. That's what we'll do next. Well, Illinois seems to have taken the bait on that. Please don't take part in this. Please. All right, last story. A lot of stuff. I'm going to wrap up where we came in on Ukraine. It is the, the, uh, one of the most critical stories of the day. We are never going to stop what's happening in Ukraine unless we crush Russian energy production right now. It is the only viable alternative, and, and I don't believe troops on the ground, ours, are an option right now. We need to crush them. Expect none of this under the Biden administration, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Peppermint Patty, an article by Mike Lee in Fox News. Jen Psaki pushes renewable energy to stop dependence on foreign oil instead of increasing U.S. production. What planet is this woman from? Folks, the sun is only out for a limited time every day. We don't have the battery capacity to run on renewable energy 24 hours a day. Are these people stupid or is it just a Monday thing? Something has to provide baseload power. Right now, that's petroleum products. My gosh, can you get any dumber? Please, in 2022, vote these idiots out of office. I am begging you. Renewable energy. Yeah, that'll stop Putin. A bunch of wind farms and some solar panels. Idiots. Where the hell are you going to get the baseload power from? The Tooth Fairy? The Easter Bunny? Idiots. Read this article. It's disturbing. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll have Dr. McCullough on my show today at 1.30 Eastern Time explaining this story about the Pfizer vaccine, one of the most important stories of the weekend. Which, again, you probably haven't heard it. They're probably like, eh, it's a crap study. Okay, fine. Tell us why. Thanks again for tuning in. See you on the radio show. You just heard Dan Bongino.